Welcome to Legacy Church. Thank you for joining us in our journey to see our potential in Christ become a legacy in our community. We hope that you are encouraged by this word from Pastor Chad Owens and pray that you will walk away with something incredible from your time here with us. If you have your Bibles this morning, I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4, looking down at verse 11. So just hang there for just a moment. I want to do some introduction before we get there. Two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to, to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And just over the last couple of weeks, I've just been praying uh, about a, uh, you know, what God wants me to share today in this service. And I really feel like God has laid a, a message on my heart this morning. And um, I've titled it, The Purpose of the Church. The Purpose of the Church. And as I said last two weeks ago, you know, we had the opportunity to celebrate Easter, and it was a monumental day for us as believers to know and to understand that the resurrection is not just an event. Even though we celebrate Easter once, one, you know, one time a year, it's not just an event, but the resurrection is a lifestyle. That no matter what we go through in our life, no matter what happens in our life, that, that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That sometimes we treat it as a one-time event and that we only celebrate it once a year. But as a Christian, as a believer, guys, we can celebrate Easter throughout the year. We can celebrate it not just on, just on Easter Sunday, but we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day of our lives. Why? Because He is alive. It's not just a one-time event, but it is a lifestyle. That's what we need to live by and to understand that we have the opportunity to live a resurrected life. And that's, you know, this morning when I woke up, I got to choose to live a resurrected life. I got to choose to do that. I made that decision that I'm going to live a resurrected life. I get to live in the power that God has for me. Not just on Easter, but I get to live in the power that God has for me every single day of my life if I choose to do so. So Easter's not just a one-time event. The resurrection is not just a one-time event, but it's a lifestyle that you and I have the opportunity to live in every single day of our lives. For all of us who choose to live that resurrected life, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we have it all together. It just means that we choose to walk in the power and the authority that God has given you and I. That's what that means. Is that it, doesn't mean, it doesn't make me perfect. The resurrection of Jesus doesn't make me perfect. It just means that I get to choose to walk in the power and the authority that God has for me in my life. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't always have to say the right things. But I get to choose to walk in the power and the authority that God has for me. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says this. And Paul says it best when he says it this way. He says... Not that I have attained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. But he says, I press on to take hold of, of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But I love what he says next. But one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind me, straining towards what is ahead of me, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Those are some powerful words from Paul. Why? Because Paul understood that this, that he is moving from what he used to be and living in the power and the resurrection that God has for him in the present and also in the future. 
He says, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. But what I do know and understand is this, is that what I used to be, I am no longer that person. Why? Because I'm now walking in the power and the authority that God has given me in my own life. That's what he's saying there. I don't have it figured out. I haven't reached that goal. But what I am doing is forgetting what's behind me that all of us need to do sometimes. We need to forget about what's behind us and walk towards the goal that God has for us. And that is the, the life of power and authority. Someone say amen this morning. Power and authority. You see, the resurrection life offers me the, the opportunity to forget what's behind me. It offers me the, the opportunity to forget my past. It gives me the opportunity to press forward to what God has for me, not only in my present, but also in my future. That's what it gives me. It says that, Chad, you're no longer this person. That you don't have to worry about what happened in the past. You don't have to, to be perfect. What you have to do is focus on what I have for you today and walk in that power and authority that I have for you today and tomorrow. So now that Jesus is resurrected, and we now start to see what happens next in the life of the disciples. Jesus had handpicked these men to follow him, to learn from him, to, to submit to his authority, to come under his leadership. He was grooming, listen, he was grooming them from, for something bigger called the church. That's what Jesus, that's why God called them to his side and, and said, come follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. Why? Because one day he was going to release these men to go become the church, to go to walk in power and authority in their life. That's why he called them to learn from him, to follow him, to submit to under that authority. You see, after Jesus' resurrection, the Bible tells us that, that he hung around for 40 days and before he ever ascended into heaven. Everything that Jesus did from the moment of his birth up until the moment that he left his earth was for the moment that the church could get started. The church that we, that, that we belong to today, the church of Jesus Christ, everything he did up until the moment that he left was so that the disciples could go and start planting churches and to go be life-giving members into society to save those people who were lost. That's why the local church is here. The local church is not here just to be a group of people, but it is to go into to the communities and to love and, and, and to reach those people who are lost, to be the church that God has called us to be. That's why God called them to his side. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 says it this way. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and also to prayer. That's the church. The church is to submit to the, to the apostles' leadership or to the apostles' teaching. But not only that, but to come and to, to be members of a fellowship, to eat together, to break bread together, and then also to pray together. That's what the church, that's what God designed the church to be. Why? So that when we all go into the community, when we go to our workforces, when we go to our schools, when we go to our family members who are not saved, why? We can walk in that power and authority that God has for you. That's why, we're, that's why God saved us. Not just so that we can get into heaven, but so that we can go into a community of lost people and walk in power and authority. So listen to me. You've been given the power of, and, and the authority from God. You just need to receive it and walk in it this morning. There's no reason for us to be afraid. There's no reason for us to worry. There's no reason for us to be upset. It's that we can walk in the power, the power and the authority of Jesus Christ this morning. Why? Because we live a resurrected life. I was once a sinner, but I am no longer a sinner. 
God set me free. Now I may mess up in my life and I, I, you know, I'm not perfect, but I used to be this person, but now I'm not. Why? Because of the resurrecting of Jesus Christ. So I have to walk in that every single day and understand that today when I woke up, I'm living the resurrected life. I'm not Chad of the past. I'm Chad of the present and what God's doing in my life today. So that's what we need to understand today is this, that the church has been designed to go out and to reach the community and love on people and to bring them in into the fellowship. You see, when God designed the church, He saw a group of people who were, in, who were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world to introduce people to Jesus and to help them understand where they fit into this picture. You see, when you find out where you fit into this picture, you can really become the person that God's called you to be. You're not just here to, be, to, to sit in a seat and to hear a message, but you're here to go and to reach other people into the community. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says it this way. It says, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to you. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even until the end of the world. As we go out to live, to fulfill the Great Commission, we're going to encounter people who are probably going to ask this question to us. What is the purpose of the church? Why do you gather together? Why, are you, why do you associate with the church? Why do you do these things? Why do you do what you do? And this is a fair question to ask. Why? Because when you don't know, you have to ask the question, right? When you don't know something, the best thing to do is to ask the question. Your kids do it all the time, right? When they were little. Dad, why is the sky blue? I don't know, buddy. Why? 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 They keep asking until you give them an answer. Because they want to know. That's how they learn. If we don't know something, we need to be asking God, God, what is it that you want from me? God, what is it? I don't understand this part of the scripture, God. Speak to me and, and reveal it to me so that I, when I go out in the community, God, I can speak clearly and I can speak your word and your truth. If we don't know, we need to ask. We don't just need to assume. We need to ask. We don't need to give them what we think it means. We need to give them what God says. The, the truth, the Bible. That's what this church is. This, I believe this church is a Bible-based church. We teach the truth. We teach Scripture. And if you teach Scripture, you don't have anything to worry about because it's God's Word that you're teaching. And it will bring clarity, and it will bring all the things that, that it needs in your life. So as you go out through your day, you're going to find somebody that's probably been hurt by the church. That they think that church is all, the, the church is just, all they want to do is collect money. And when you speak about the church, the per, uh, church's purpose, we realize that throughout history, the church has, has put a bad taste in people's mouth. That people, that the church itself has, has led people away from the church by, by, the, by the way they do things or by the, why they handle leadership in positions that are of authority. Somewhere we got away from, from what God intended the church to be to making it our own agenda. The church needs to be about what God set it, set it aside to be, not about my own agenda. It's not about my vision. It's about God's vision. It's about what God wants to achieve through me into, into this church and this community. It's not about my agenda. It's about Him. And we can't make it our own agenda. We have to understand that God placed us here for a reason, and let's follow His leadership. Let's follow what God is calling us to do. People have been hurt by the church. People in leadership have wounded people and have turned people away from the church. We've seen it over the last 20 to 25 years. Great men who were leading great, great moves of God and great churches that have caused people to turn away from their faith because of something that happened in their life. 
Again, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Pastors are not perfect. Leaders are not perfect. We all fail. We all make mistakes. We all do things that, 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 is not, that we're not proud of. But, but what I love is this, that God uses flawed people. He uses flawed people to reach flawed people. God's not looking for you to be perfect. Why? Because people that are flawed, they don't understand what it means to be perfect because they're not perfect. They're flawed. They make mistakes. They've messed up. And so what God does is God uses flawed people to reach other people. Why? So that they can understand what it's like to be them. Because you're traveling the road that maybe they're, gonna, they're traveling or going to travel. And so God uses flawed people to reach other people in this world. Jesus looked at Peter and he, and he made this promise in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18. And he says these words. He said, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He made Peter a promise that day. That Peter, I'm going to build my church upon your life. I understand that one day that you're going to, you know, that you're going to deny me three different times. And Peter, you're going to mess up in so many different places of your life. I understand that, Peter. But what I want you to know and understand is that I'm building my church upon your life. And the gates of hell will not, uh, you know, will not overcome it. God is building a church on your life. And understand this morning, when you walk in power and authority, the gates of hell cannot overcome it. The gates of hell cannot overcome the things that's in your life. He's building a church upon Peter's life, just like he's wanting to build a church upon your life. He's wanting to build a church on men and women who are just like Peter, flawed and, and have things in their life that, that they're not proud of. Verses 15 through 17 says this, But what do you say about me? What about me, he asked. What do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered. He said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus replied these words. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father, uh, which is in heaven. I think it's very important to understand there in this moment that Jesus had not revealed himself to the disciples and who he was. But in that moment, God spoke to Peter of who this man was that he was following. He said, this is my son. This is the Messiah. And Peter understood that in that moment of who Jesus was. Even not knowing who Jesus was. Because Jesus didn't tell him. But God revealed it to Peter that day. That Peter, this is my son. You are the Messiah. This is the one I'm supposed to follow. And Peter's confession of Christ that day was a heartfelt declaration of a personal faith in Jesus Christ. He said, God, I, you are the Messiah, and I'm following you. You're my leader. You're, 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 you're grooming me for something greater, and I want to follow you in my life. You are the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And so for us to have a personal faith in Christ is the mark of a true Christian that we said to Jesus, God, I want to follow you. I want to give you my life, and I want you to use me greatly wherever I go. That's why it's so important that we in the church, when we go into the world to reach the lost, that we choose to come to faith in Jesus so that he can build the church upon us. I love it in this scripture. Jesus makes a promise to Peter and he fulfills that promise in Peter's life. If you read in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches and he's filled with the Holy Spirit and over 3,000 people get saved that day. And from that moment is the beginning of the church where they go out into the communities and they go out and reach people. And on that day, Jesus began to build the church on Peter's life. Not a perfect man, but a flawed man who loved God. 
You see, if you love God and, and you submit to his authority, the, the sky is the limit, guys, for this church and for you and for I. That if we will just listen to his teaching, if we will not try to figure it out all the time and submit to that authority and say, Father, I, I, I'm, my faith is in you. I want you to use me. God will use you greatly. And you can go in that power and authority that God's been given to you in your life. That's why it's important that we submit to that authority and that when we go out into the world that we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is sitting with us in our life. People are looking for a true, authentic realness in our life. Be real. Be authentic to these people. Don't, play, don't try to be something that you're not. But be the person that God's called you to be. Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4, says this. It says in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach and until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them in, uh, over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He says this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father, that the gift that my fa Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says in verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the other ends of the earth. After he said that, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two, dressed, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus whom has been taking from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The birth of the church is about to get started. It was about to start, being, uh, start to be built by these men that God had called them to follow him. And so what I want you to know and understand a few things this morning about what I feel like God laid upon my heart as I was reading this scripture is number one is this. You got to be led by the Spirit. You have to be led by the Spirit because when you, if you're not led by the Spirit, you're going to go on your own agenda and you're going to fail. You have to be led by the Spirit. Look at verses 2 and 3. It says this. It says, Until the day that He was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that He had chosen, after His suffering, He presented Himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And here's what God showed me through, through verse number two is this. Jesus did teaching through what? The Holy Spirit. He taught through the Holy Spirit. This, we're talking about Jesus, the resurrected Son of God, the glorified Jesus Christ, risen with all the power and authority after, the, after His crucifixion. He's teaching His disciples through the Holy Spirit. Not His own agenda. He's not telling them what they want to hear. He's not telling them what, what he thinks. He's telling them what they need to know and understand through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So what that tells me is this. If Jesus, the resurrected Son of God, is teaching through the Holy Spirit, then you and I need to be led by the Holy Spirit when we go into our communities. We need to have that same focus that Jesus did. We need to be led like Jesus did. He didn't choose to do it on His own. He didn't choose His own resources, but He relied on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He needed it in that moment. Just like you and I need it when we go into the world. We need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we're not always going to know everything. We're not always going to have everything figured out. But when we walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, God will give us what we need to speak into someone's life. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, wake up this morning. He's preaching good today. Don't rely on your own resources. Don't rely on your own strength. But do what God's commanding you to do, and that is to walk in power and authority. He told his disciples in Matthew 28, he says, listen, I've been given, the the power and authority has been placed upon your life. Now what I need you to do is go walk in it. Go reach those lost people. Go love on those lost people. Go bring them into the church. Go witness to them. Go show them your your life and, and how you live your life. Why? Because all authority and power that's been given to me has now been placed on your life. Now walk in it. And when we walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, listen to me this morning, the gates of hell will not overcome your life. That's a very good place to say amen this morning. The power and the authorities of hell will not overcome your life when you're walking in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. Because what he says to Peter, Peter, I will build my church on your life. And what does he say next? And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome it. Why? Because you have the power and the authority and you're being led by the Holy Spirit, not your own agenda. So Jesus taught with the instructions of the Holy Spirit what the disciples needed in their life. See, you cannot rely on your own strength. You cannot rely on your own resources. Why? Because eventually you're going to burn out and you're going to become useless. Why? Because you're not putting anything into your life. You can only give out what's in your life. And if you're not constantly filling it back up and filling it back up, eventually you're not going to have anything to give. It's like an empty glass. You can turn it up as much as you want to. If there's nothing in it, there's nothing coming out. But you got to keep filling up every single day. You got to keep filling up in that, and walking in that power and the authority of Jesus Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 says this Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel It is not by force, not by strength, but by my, what's the next word? Spirit, says the Lord of, heaven army, of heaven's armies. It's by my spirit that leads you. It's how you overcome things in your life by the spirit and the power and the authority that God has called you to walk in. The purpose of the church is to go in power. The the purpose of the church is to go into the community and walk in the power and the authority, being led by the spirit, relying on the, the, the direction of Jesus Christ, not on your own strength. The Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, lives and empowers and inspires you to be the person that God sees. It lives in you. It empowers you. But it also inspires you to be the person that God's called you to be. Why? Because when you have those moments where you can't figure everything out, and you have those moments of darkness in your life, Jesus speaks to you. And what happens? He inspires you in that moment to keep going, to keep moving, to keep doing what He's called you to do. 
And so this morning, I want to inspire you this morning to know and understand that God lives inside of you. The power of God is real in your life, but be inspired today that you are called to walk in it and that power and authority in your life to go out and to reach those people who are lost and looking for something. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives so that the Holy Spirit can speak into situations. Not that, not that we have it all figured out. You see, sometimes we try to, people will come to us and we try to speak into their situations by our own knowledge or by our own resources. But here's the deal. But when you speak by the power and authority over your life and you, over, you allow God to use you in your life, God will speak directly to that person's situation. He will pray through you. He will give you what you need. Just as like in a time of prayer, when someone comes to you and pray, and they ask you to pray for them and you don't know the need, but all of a sudden you start praying the need that's in their life without even knowing. That's called the power of the Holy Spirit revealing something to you, speaking in their life so that they can know and understand that God knows where they are. God speaks through you. God reveals himself to you so that you can speak into other people's lives around this. This is the pattern of the rest of the book of Acts, which shows us that the Holy Spirit does operating in the church. We need His power to overcome the wicked world that we live in. This world doesn't need another religious uh, institution. It needs a church that is empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need another religious building. It doesn't need a bunch of religious people. It needs a church that will be led by the Holy Spirit to empower them to reach the dark worlds that are around us. That's why we're here. It just doesn't need to be just another church, but it needs to be in a power church being led by the Holy Spirit. You see, when the local church is empowered and led by the Spirit, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So be led by the Spirit. Number two, you got to wait for it. Verses four and five says this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. But he says, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. In a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, wait. Jesus, at that moment, had nothing else for His disciples to do other than wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He was about to send them out. He was about to send them out to build the church. And what Jesus knew and understood was this, is that if they were going to be effective if they were going to be effective in the community, if they were going to reach the community and do the things that God's called them to do, they must have the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says, I need you guys to wait. Don't get ahead of me. Don't run out there and start doing your own thing, but I need you to wait. And if you will wait, the promise is coming to you. If you will be patient and wait, the promise is coming to you. Jesus knew that they really couldn't do nothing effective in the kingdom of God without the Spirit of God. This wasn't, listen, this wasn't a suggestion, but this was a command from Jesus. He was letting them know if the church was going to be successful, as he knew that it can, they needed the promise of the Father. And the bad thing about it is the waiting is the hardest thing. Because we know in that moment that, that Jesus could immediately snap his fingers and they would have been filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. But Jesus says, I need you to wait. I need you to go to this place and I just need you to wait to the perfect time for the right opportunity so that my spirit can fall upon you. We know that God could have done it in a moment, but he says, guys, go wait. Why? Because when you're in a waiting period, you learn to trust God more. When you're in a waiting period, you learn to rely on God more. When you're in a, a, a waiting period, God sees that you're really real about what he's called you to do. 
That you're not going to walk away from it, but you're going to wait for the promise that God has revealed to you or what God has for you in your life. This wasn't a suggestion. He says, go and wait so the Spirit of God can fall upon your life. It's in those moments of waiting that we learn to trust God more. He made a promise to them and for those that were around him. Guys, if you will just wait, I'm going to give you this promise. And it's going to be something great that will lead you to build my church with. You see, if I promised you today that somebody would come into this room and they were going to give you a gift. And, you, and it was a gift of $1,000. Raise your hand if you would wait. All right, four of us, five of us. The rest of you are telling a story right now. If you knew that somebody was going to come into this room and give you $1,000, how many of you would wait? All right, same hands. That's okay. And here's the deal. If you're going to receive the $1,000, you got to what? you got to wait. It may take an hour. It may take three hours. It may take five hours. But you've been promised that somebody's going to come and give you $1,000. And if you want that $1,000, all you have to do is wait. You don't care about what's happening out in the world. You don't care what's going on. What happens is that all you're thinking about is, man, somebody's coming to give me $1,000. And I don't care if it's 30 minutes or three hours. I'm waiting. And that's what we need to do on God. Sometimes we get in a rush in our church services. We got to three. We got to sing three songs, and we got to take up the uh, the offering, and we got to do announcements. We got to preach a message. Why? Because we got to get everybody out by eleven thirty so that they can go to the restaurants and live their life throughout the rest of the Sunday. But what if God shows up? Are we going to wait for the promise? Are we going to wait for His presence? Are we going to tarry there for just a moment just to see what God's going to do in our life? He told His disciples, guys, if you will just wait. The promise is coming to you. If you will just wait and not get in a hurry and not get upset and not try to figure it all out. If you just wait, the promise is coming to you. And I'm telling you, it would be the greatest thing you ever had in your life because you're going to need it to go into the community to reach the lost. The promise is available to us, but sometimes we have to wait. I know that we want it now. I know that we want to go and do it now. But there's sometimes where we need to wait and trust God and, and, and let God know and understand God in this waiting moment. I don't understand it, but you told me to wait. So God, I trust you and I'm going to wait. At the right time, at the right season, God's going to lead you and he's going to do the things that he wants to in your life if you will just wait for that promise. The promise of God should be enough to cause you to wait. The promise of God should be enough to cause us to wait for the promise. But sometimes we get in a hurry. We got to get, we got to go, and we miss out on the promise that God has for us. The duty of the church is to obey and to follow God's teaching. You see, the church is called to influence the culture, not the culture to influence the church. Let me say that again. In our world today, there are places where the culture is influencing the church, and that's totally backwards. The church is called to what? Influence the culture. We're called to live a different lifestyle. We're called to live a holy life so that when we go out into the community, we can reach those people who are lost. Why? Because we're walking in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, influencing the culture, not the culture influencing us. And the third and final thing this morning is this. It's not for us to know the right time. Verses 6, six through 9 says this. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
And he says to them, he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But then he says these famous words in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the, other ends, uh, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. God was, was letting them know that you don't need to know the time, and you don't need to know the date. You just need to know that it's coming. He was letting them know in that moment. They were like, God, are you going to do this? Or What are you doing, God? Are you, are you setting this up? He says, guys, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the date or the time when it's going to happen. He just says to wait for the promise. To wait for the promise. And I think about sometimes the reason why God doesn't reveal the things to us in that moment. That if we saw what would happen to us, if we saw all the hardship that we would go through, if we saw all the people who would turn their backs on us by the way that we live, if we, if, if we saw all of those things in our life and how long it would take for us to receive that promise sometimes, we would probably get discouraged and we would walk away from God. So God's not going to reveal everything to you. He just says, hey, I need you to wait because the promise is coming. The promise is coming if you'll wait. You see, God gave Joseph, Joseph a dream, but he never told him how, what he would go through or how long it would take for him to achieve that dream. He just gave him a dream. He never told him you were going to be in, sold into slavery. He never told him that your, your family's going to disown you. He never told him that you were going to be uh, convicted of adult, uh, adulterous relationship. He never told him that he was going to spend time in prison. He just gave him a dream. And what happened? is that throughout that whole entire life of Joseph, he just kept trusting God in every situation. And then finally the dream came true. Now it took about 13 to 15 years for it to come true, but he waited on the promise that God had for him. And in that moment, he was able to do what God had called him to do and what position that God had put him in. And that was to take care of the family who disowned him because he waited for God's leading and for God's timing. We don't know the day that God's going to return we don't know the time that God's going to return. All we need to know is this, is that if we're willing to wait, that he said these famous words to us in verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. That's what he said. If you will wait. He didn't say, I hope you become my witnesses. Maybe you will become my witnesses. But he says, you shall be my witnesses. Or whatever version you're reading, it's, or it may say, you will be my witnesses. You see, Jesus was sending them back into the area where they had just executed him. He says, I need you to go back to Jerusalem. Well, hold on, God. What? They just executed you there. They, they just killed you there. They just killed an innocent man and you're sending us back to Jerusalem? You're sending us back to the area where they just killed you? And Jesus says, absolutely. Why? Because there's people who are lost. I need you to go to Jerusalem. But then he says, I need you to go to Judea. But wait a minute, God. They, don't, you know, they rejected your, mis uh, your ministry in Judea. They're going to reject us. He says, it doesn't matter. I need you to go. Then he was sending them to Samaria, to a place that the Jews regarded as a wasteland of, of half-breeds. He says, I want you to go into that community. And then he says, I'm sending you all over the world to places 
That people are not going to understand you or understand what you're talking about, but just know and understand that I'm sending you there. The promise that I promised you is going to go with you to Jerusalem. It's going to go with you to Judea. It's going to go with you to Samaria. It's going to go with you to the other ends of the earth. Why? Because you waited for the promise and now the promise is leading you. I'm going to send you back to the place where they just rejected my teaching. Why? Because there were people who were lost. And Jesus is about lost people. Understand that this morning. Jesus is about lost people. And what he wants to do is he wants to use you to reach those lost people. That's the church. To come together with teaching, fellowship, breaking bread with one another in prayer. And when we do those four things, man, the church is unstoppable. God God is looking for a church that wants to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by their own agenda. God is looking for a place that doesn't have the coolest, uh, you know, the coolest things. He's looking for a place where the power of God resides and lives. That's what he wants. You see, the lights lights and all this stuff, it's a cool thing. But listen, if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, then we don't have anything. We're, we're an empty vessel. And we're not going to be successful and we're not going to be able to reach the people that God's called us to reach. Why? Because there are going to be times that you're going to go into some very dark places and if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, that darkness may overcome you. But if you are going in the power and the authority of God, guess what? The gates of hell will not prevail against you. That's what the Scripture says. He made that promise to Peter and this morning he's making the same promise to you. To walk in the power and the authority that God has given you. Not in your own agenda, but walk in what God's given you. I want you to stand to your feet this morning, if you would. Tracy, if you would, just put on something softly this morning as we close out the service this morning. Just close your eyes just for a moment, if you would. As I was preparing this sermon, man, I I felt like God was really talking to me about being led by the Holy Spirit and, and listening to His voice and, and waiting and, and just get placing myself in a position to where I, I, I can receive from Him what, what He already says is mine. I want to be the church that, that can go into the, the community and reach lost people. Because God, can, God is concerned and loves lost people. Building the church. Having people come in here and get saved and, and seeing their, that God has a plan for their life and, and whether it be teaching a class or whatever it is that they're doing, for, for them to fulfill the call that God's placed on their life for us all to be ministers. And it doesn't matter your age. Don't say to me this morning that I've gotten to this age and it's that God no longer can use me. Yes, He can use you because you're still here. But understand the power and the authority of a resurrected life. That if Jesus teaches through the Holy Spirit, then we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. That we need to wait for that promise as God speaks about. And we don't always have to know the day or the time when it's going to happen. We just have to wait. So church, today I, I encourage you this. Walk in the power and authority of God's given you to overcome whatever situation the enemy has for you. And he's throwing out there today. Be the church. Jesus died on the cross so that we walk in that power and that authority. He was taken up to heaven. But the Bible says that that if he goes, 
that he's going to give you his Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you as you go into these places. So this morning, here's my altar call to you. If you want to walk in that power and that authority that God has for you, I'm going to ask every person, if you would, to come and stand around this front this morning. If you would say, Pastor, I want to walk in that power and that authority this morning. I don't want to go in my own agenda, but I want to walk in that power and that authority that God has for me and my family. I want you to come and stand around this front this morning. And what I want you to do is just take a moment and just, and just get in God's presence. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you want to just stand there and, 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 and just in silence, do what, whatever you feel like you want to do. But just take a moment and allow God to fill you up this morning because we need it more than any time in our life right now. Because there's situations that either we're facing now and we're going to face in days to come that we need the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Tracy, if you would, you can turn that song up just for just a moment. God, today, every person that's in these altars, God. God, you are our living hope. God, you are all that we have. God, you're all that we have. And God, if we don't have your presence, we don't have anything, God. God, there may be somebody here today that's, that, that, that's burnt out with Christianity, that's, that's just tired in their hearts and their spirits and in their bodies today. Father, I pray that you would give them strength right now in the name of Jesus. God, there are people who have gone through hardships in their life that, that are still trusting in you today. God, they didn't, try, they didn't figure it out and they haven't figured it out up to this point, God. But they're just still trusting in you, God, knowing that you're still in control of every situation in our life. But God, we need your Holy Spirit, God. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. And God, there's moments where, God, you may fill us in, on the spot, but God, there may be moments where you want us to wait. So today, Father, your church, the ones that are standing here today and those that are in their seats that may not have come this morning, God, this is your church. These are your people. These are the ones that you sought out, God. These are the ones that you went after, Father. So God, this morning I pray. God, let your power of the Holy Spirit fall upon every life that's here today, God. God, not just fall upon them, but God, lead them and to speak through them, God, and give them signs and wonders as your scripture says will happen in the last days, God, to speak into people's lives. God, just this morning, we just draw close to you. We just draw close to you this morning, God. Fill us up, Jesus. Fill us up this morning. Those spots that are, that are empty this morning, fill us up, Father, to where we're overflowing in our own lives and our hearts. Holy Spirit, Father, fall upon us today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. My living hope, my promise, everything that you say about me, God, is who I am. I claim it in the name of Jesus right now. Everything that you spoke over my life, God, that's who I am. God, you spoke it for a reason, and God, so the day that I believe it, that's who I am, God. God, your Holy Spirit is welcome in, in this heart, in this place, in our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. For just a moment, will you take your hand and place it on the person standing beside you and just say a, just a prayer over their, over their life right now. God, let us be overcome by your presence this morning, Jesus. 
Let us be overcome by your presence, Father. The God, that we don't do anything without you, God. We don't make decisions without you, Father. We don't do anything without you, God, but we're going to be overcome by your presence in our life, God, because we want to be led by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, we worship you today, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, there's a day that you're coming back. You're coming back for your church. You're coming back for your people, God. But until that day, Father, there are lost people who need to know about Jesus. And you're calling the local church to be that light into the community to reach those hearts and those lives today. God, as you told Peter, that upon this life I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And God, we believe that and we claim it today in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Now, as we leave this place, we walk out of here with power and authority that's been placed into us in our life today. And God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you once again for joining us at Legacy Church. Stay tuned in to our website for updates on events and check out other messages under the online listening tab. We'd love to see you, so join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Have a blessed day.